When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was, at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC, which is amazing. Wes Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then, in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina on the recruiting front, still Certainly plenty to talk about on the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. Uh, certainly plenty to get into. Shane Beamer did speak to the media yesterday and we will spin the wheel of Beamer coming up a little bit. I do want to talk quickly, though, about the uh, baseball team. They did fall for their second time this season uh, last night to Charlotte on the road, 6-2. Uh, to two. And, you know, Colin and I were talking about this in the 9 o'clock hour. I'm looking out at Gervais Street. I don't see the sky falling, and, and hopefully too many people aren't overreacting to this. As midweek losses do happen in college baseball. It's not something to, to worry too much about. Yeah, I think you, I think you got to flush this one if you're Carolina. That's baseball. I know people kind of hate that phrase. It gets overused, but it, it's absolutely the truth. I mean, this happens. The game will humble you the second you think you have it all figured out. It certainly felt like that happened for South Carolina. And, uh, you know, it kind of snowballed for them in the one big inning for Charlotte. And also, you know, it when Carolina had an opportunity for a big inning early, Charlotte put them in a position where they walked the bases loaded. Carolina looked like they had a big hit. Charlotte defender makes a great play in the outfield. So that, that's kind of just the way it goes sometimes. If you're Carolina, you can't let this one, you know, kind of affect you going into this weekend. And obviously you got to turn your attention very quickly to what is now a top 25 Missouri team coming into town. Never gets easier. But I, I, I think this is a pretty veteran ball club. They should be able to flush this one pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, you. so I look back at 2010. So Jay Brown was in here yesterday from Cornerstone Financial Management on the Garnet Trust Tower and uh, had a lot of good stuff to say about finances and NIL, but also had, you know, some thoughts on the baseball team. And Jay seemed to really like how this team's put together. Like Wes said, veteran presence, right? Whether it's some guys on this team that are now just basically a year older, you know, freshman to sophomore, guys who played key roles last year, maybe even too soon. Some guys like, you know, Braylon Wimmer who are older guys who have come up and developed in this program and played a lot of ball, or some guys that you've just added, you know, Gavin Cassis, Will McGillis, Caleb Denny. You're going to lose some games. And while you would, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan, you'd like to lose no midweek games. It's not a huge deal. I kind of think you look at it and you go, is it a trend? We've seen some years since South Carolina has not been as successful as they were in, 2010, 2011, 2012, their best run ever. You've seen some times where it's been kind of a trend to lose some of these midweek games. I can't, you can't say that that's the case here, right? They've lost two baseball games all season. And look back at 2010. Look at that team that Jay was 
a team captain on. That team won the national championship. Now that's not to say, ah, oh, you just you know you lose some games, you can you can go win the Natty, right? But right. you do have to look at the big picture of a team. So Carolina that year, in the regular season, they finished forty three and thirteen. So they had a great year, but they lost to East Carolina in a series. They lost the series to Clemson, including getting smoked nineteen to six at Carolina Stadium. Um, they lost. They did very well in SEC play, but they did lose two series to Kentucky and Florida. Um, on the other hand, they swept Arkansas on the road. You know things like that. They go to the SEC tournament that year. They're two in barbecue, one right. national title. You know, so they got hot at the right. They got hot at the right time in their makeup of that team. You look at their pitching, their veteran leadership. Look at some of their hitters. I think you look at the overall makeup of the team, and th- this team still has a lot going for it, I think. And there were certainly circumstances last night, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, but I don't think these things can be ignored. You have Jerzen Beck getting the start. He's a Charlotte kid. You know, He's probably familiar with a lot of guys on that 49ers team. Probably had a lot of family, friends, former teammates, whatever it may be, in the stands watching him last night. That's a lot of pressure. And he really only had the one bad inning in the third where uh, Charlotte scored the five runs. So I'm not saying that's an excuse again, but you can understand it to a degree away, might have had a um, a bad outing. And then you're playing four games in the course of five days. Played the doubleheader against Georgia on Saturday, wrapped up the series on Sunday. All, obviously, all that was on the road. Your first true road series of the season. Then you're back, you get a rest on Monday, and then you're back on the road. Yeah, Charlotte's only an hour and a half away, but it's still a road game regardless. So fatigue can certainly play into maybe why the offense wasn't clicking as much as it has been uh, you know, earlier on in the season and some of these other games. But again, everybody loses when midweek games is nothing to freak out about. It's more about getting yourself right, getting yourself rested, ready for Missouri this weekend. Yeah, and I think most of the fans understand that. I think they get it. I think you have very smart baseball fans for the most part at South Carolina. And, you know, here's the thing. You can sort of explain away. I'm, I'm sure if you look at South Carolina's wins throughout the year so far, there are games where maybe something went their way that could have gone against them, and those games could have been a loss. So they had the one bad inning. You know, it kind of snowballed on them. I I think there's a little bit of frustration on the mound with, uh, you know, the home plate umpire. Then you had an error in the inning that ended up being big. You had the big hit with the home run. And just uh, you you have one bad inning, and then you don't have a great game at the plate. Then, you know, you you can lose, and that's baseball. That's how it goes, but... You know, I certainly think they'll bounce back, but they're, they're going to have to play well, you know, regardless of whether they like I, I really don't think this game will have any effect on this weekend, yeah. but that doesn't guarantee they're going to win. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to fight it every single weekend in this conference. And like we talked about yesterday, Missouri's not even a team you circle and say, oh, this is a big one you got to get up for. But here they are. They come in. They're coming off of a huge series sweep of their own and they're now in the top 25 as well. They were one of the few teams you looked at and said, oh, they're not in the top 25, even though they're in the SEC. Well, guess what? Now they are, so good luck. You're going to have battles every single weekend in this conference, but hey, that's what makes it fun. When you look at Missouri, they're 16-3. and They've won five straight games, and they obviously opened conference play 3-0 and because they swept number then number two Tennessee. Just recently, they lost a game to something called the New Jersey Institute of Technology. And it was on their schedule. Did, did not know they had a baseball team. I, I really did not even know that existed. I mean, no offense. But they played a series, actually, with those guys in Columbia. They won the series. Right. But they dropped one of the games, two to one. Looked pretty bad. South Carolina certainly, it was ugly last night. I, I'm legit 
surprised just at the name of that team that they do have <laughs> athletics. Now, they, ha- that, they have a whole w- athletics website. W- would Wes. that make them like MIT's biggest rival or something? Does MIT have sports teams? Uh, I don't know. Like that, I feel like I've seen a commercial for like a late night TV commercial for that for school. NJIT. Yeah, but I I don't think it was focused on their athletic department. <laughs> it probably was not. No, they do. They have multiple sports programs. They have a uh, women's fencing. Okay, I don't. Uh, they also have bowling for men. Dad, to South Carolina, have you either one of those programs? Nope. No. You can take Negative. a fencing class at South Carolina. My college roommate took. Okay. It. Pretty awesome. It looked like. You know, speak, speaking of bowling, not to get off topic here, um, I never thought I would use a bowling quote, but I did. I don't know if you heard at the end of the last segment, I was talking about Rick Patino, And you know who Pete Weber is, the bowler? The oh, guy that, yeah. who do you think, who you, do you, think are, you are, I am? I am. Oh, yeah. Um, when he retired, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, uh, he dropped the line, whether you hate me or loved me, you watched. Mm-hmm. And I use that as an apt comparison for Rick Patino going to St. John's where he's going to have more of a national spotlight on him. I never thought I'd use a bowling quote, but I did today. I was very proud of myself. It's a great quote. Fantastic. Uh, I think he's overstating the uh, need for people to watch bowling there a bit. <laughs> I mean, we watched that clip quite a bit, but... I've watched that clip about... But did you tune it's in? probably like 10 million views on YouTube. I'm probably a million of them. Did you tune I, in to watch him bowl? I, I did not. Okay. I've actually gotten sucked into professional bowling a few times, like when it's been on after another sporting event because like Fox carries it on like FS1 and stuff like that and they got a guy that looks legit like Bob Ross with like the big afro and stuff um, I forget what his name is but those guys are really intense if you sit there and watch it for 10 minutes you know you'll get sucked in and realizing hours gone by and you know you've wasted an afternoon got you on the edge of your seat yeah see crazy. This, this guy needs a strike we're gonna to see win. Corey Rucker on there one day yeah Gamecock receiver is he good yeah. at bowling oh he's absolute freak at bowling he's, what was only, been, it? What he's was only been bowling for like a year what was his highest score did you ever find out i think it's like definitely definitely in the 200s see if it's got a two in front of it i've never sniffed that i need like five games to put together a, yeah, a two he's, in he's front of bowling, my total score stand so i like legitimately i think he's got a shot to, so when south carolina starts their bowling team they should call him as the head coach is what you're telling me <laughs> well he's gonna have to leave arkansas state um at that point, but maybe he got word uh, that Arkansas State's putting together a bowling team. What could be a more yeah. lucrative opportunity than being the South Carolina bowling coach? True, true. Did you see? By the way, speaking of Rick Pitino, he said he he wanted to go take another team to the Final Four to get Calipari off his resume. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Shots fired. We'll see what happens. That's funny. I, he was laughing about it though. W- w- uh, it's going to be interesting. He's definitely going to. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more about him. As opposed to being at Iona, where you only hear about him when he takes the team to the tournament. They'll, you'll hear a lot more about St. John's. They'll oh, be yeah. good soon. Which is funny to me that, did, did you hear about what they did with firing their last coach, Mike Anderson? Yeah. Who is now suing, suing them? them? Yes. You know, he, they gave this long reason for why they wanted to fire him with cause. And it's like, man, then you went and hired Rick Patino. That's just, it's kind of funny. Well, Mike Anderson's uh, rebuttal to that lawsuit will, will be. You know, the reason you fired me for cause is Ray Patino was available. Right. Or made himself available. That's yeah. the real story there. No, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun to see how that lawsuit uh plays out. On the other side, we will play our official unofficial official spin the wheel of Beamer game that we love to do as Shane Beamer did speak to the media yesterday for about half an hour. Got a lot of good sound bites from him. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on one oh seven five the game. 
It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on 107.5 The Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. It's time to spin the wheel of Beamer as he spoke to the media after the, what, I guess, fourth spring practice yesterday. Fifth one going to be coming up tomorrow. You guys will get your chance to be out there and observe some things like you did for the first one last week. Uh, spin the wheel here and let's see what Beamer wanted to talk about. Yeah, no, I think we always look at um, how to be how to be better and you look at your personnel for sure. And, you know, we've always <clears throat> we've always uh, been multiple on defense. And there were times last year where we played with five defensive linemen in normal situations. There were times last year where we were more of a three down defense, three, four, three, three, whatever you want to call it. So we've always had the ability to be multiple. Uh, and that is getting our best players on the field. So let's Going back to your question, let's figure out who our best 11 are, figure out how to get them on the field, and then everything is um, everything is on the table for sure. And a lot of that, too, is run defense is, is critical. We're not going to get to where we want to go as a program if we don't stop the run. You know, I mean, I, th- I think I told you guys before, but we showed the team. I think Clemson won the ACC, uh, Georgia won the SEC. Utah won the Pac-12, and Michigan, I believe, won the Big Ten, and all four of those teams were uh, in the top 18 in the nation last year in run defense. So there's four of your five Power Five conference champions, and um, they're all best in the country at stopping the run. So we got to stop the run better than what we did. And, and that's all 11, too. That's not just D-line and linebackers. That's our defensive backs. We inv- we we involve our defensive backs in the run defense and run fits, and they got to be in the right place, and they got to make tackles. And and a lot, of that is, a lot of that is plays on the perimeter and things like that as well. So it's a huge emphasis. We're continuing to emphasize it and coach it better. Uh, but yeah, everything's on the on the table to do what we got to do to stop the run. That was Shane Beamer talking about needing to step up on the run defense in 2023. <clears throat> and we look at the rankings last year, South Carolina among the worst in the country, giving up just a little over 202 yards per game. As you mentioned there, four of the five power conference champions uh, ranked in the top 19, Utah being the 19th giving up just over 116 yards per game, but definitely an area, especially in the SEC, with the prominence of the running games where you need to make significant improvements if you want to be competitive this year. I go back to what Clayton White said last week when he was asked what is the single biggest sort of headline that, uh, as far as what they need to improve on going into this season. And Clayton White said, look, we're, we're not going to run from it. We're not going to hide from it. We know we have to be better against the run. And I, I think, you know, Chris, if you look – the last two seasons that has been the Achilles heel for the defense. I I think it is very difficult to boil it down to one thing. Like it kind of sounds almost like you're avoiding it or you're trying to throw cliches at it when you start to list like everything, like, Hey, what's wrong with this? Everything. But I I do think there's some truth to that. Like, I, I think, you know, it's not just personnel. It's not just scheme. It's not, you know, a lot of times it gets put on the D line and, Sometimes, is it the D-line? Yes, of course. Like, sometimes the the opponent's going to get the better of you. But sometimes, is it that, you know, I, I think an area maybe Carolina could see some improvement in this year. Maybe sometimes your linebacker's just not quite quick enough, a half step too slow to cut that running back off from catching the edge. And if he was a step quicker, 
maybe it's a two-yard run. If he's not, he finds the edge and it's eight, nine, ten, first down run. You know, so I, I think for Carolina, there is no one just, hey, circle this and run defense will be fixed. But I, I do think they're going to need to show, like, incremental improvements in all those things we talked about. And I, I do think you maybe consider playing a little bit more like Beamer. It's interesting Beamer pointed that out as far as the different formations and personnel because they really did not do a ton of that. We saw them do that goal line some, mm-hmm. you know, they, obviously, you know, red zone short yardage. But for the most part, they major in their four two five. We saw, I felt like, more of their 4-3, which is four down linemen, three linebackers, in the bowl game against Notre Dame than we probably saw every single other game, maybe combined. So that was the last game we saw. I, I do wonder if maybe you see them try to implement a little bit more of that this year in terms of trying to stop the run. Well, and you remember the Arkansas game, which was what, game three of the season? Or was it game two? Game two. Game two. Yep, game two. And we saw some five-man fronts in that game early on. But then what happened? Well, Mo Cabo went down with a knee injury. Jordan Strong goes down with a knee injury. And I specifically remember Shane Beamer talking about that after the game. Hey, we had some five-man fronts to stop the run because you remember K.J. Jefferson, Rocket Sanders. That was a big part of the game plan. So that's kind of one of those changes you're talking about, Wes, where you make some tweaks. Well, you don't have a ton of depth at edge or linebacker coming into the season. And now you lose really your top two guys in the same game. So now you're taken out of that element, and that's probably a reason, Wes, not only in that game, you have to kind of scrap that, but then going forward the rest of the year too. Obviously, as you pointed out, probably some more athleticism at linebacker this year. It's still a question mark, right, because you do lose two six-year senior starters, but you still have substantial questions at edge. So, um you know, what are your personnel packages that you that you feel good about that? Can you create some more versatility? Maybe so. Um, I think if you look at the statistics, Wes, from last year, which those can be liars, but you do look at the eye test, and when you combine those with the, the statistics, kind of paints a kind of ugly picture at times. I mean, third down conversion percentage defense for South Carolina last year, they're 114th in the country. They averaged uh, about 43%, almost 44% on third downs. What does that tell you? Generally, teams are getting into manageable third down situations. They were also one of the worst teams in the country giving up first downs, 112th in the country, gave up uh, 292 first downs. So those statistics paired with everything else we see shows you that it's, it's a major, major area for improvement in run defense. Yeah, when I, when I hear you're bad on third down, that makes me think you're bad at stopping the run on yep. first and second down and or you're bad at rushing the passer in pass rushing situations. Yep. And, you know, I, I thought Carolina actually w- was okay, was pretty solid on third and longs on, like, actual pass rush situations. But then certainly I think you go back to the run game stats and you got to circle, like, put big sirens around it, like, <laughs> underline, highlight, like, that, to me, is their single biggest issue. But, uh, again, it's more of a symptom. It's not something where you just snap your fingers and say, hey, we got to be better against the run. There are all these other little things that I think contribute to whether you are good or bad against the run. And they're certainly going to make that a focus this offseason, and we'll see if they can improve in a number of those areas. All right, another spin.
I think it's um, just the confidence that he's playing with. Not that he wasn't confident last year, because last year he was learning a new system, and this year he's learning a new system. There's some carryover, but there's a lot of newness uh, to what we're doing as well. Uh, but he's, he's very confident, very comfortable, and to me it's just the leadership that I've seen from him. You know, he, last year he came in at this time, and, and uh, I've said it before to you guys, he wasn't really trying to impose his will and force his leadership upon anyone. He was trying to earn their respect and earn a role and, and go from there. Now everybody knows what he can do and what he's done here at Carolina. And he's been much more of a, it's very clearly his team. It's very clearly his offense. And uh, the, the leadership that he's shown out there, just being vocal and, and talking to people, that's the biggest thing that I've, uh, that I've noticed from him. That was Coach Beamer talking about uh, Spencer Rattler being in his second spring with this team. And I don't think that can be understated. You know, he comes in here from Oklahoma and implements himself into what was Marcus Satterfield's system at the time, one that already existed, that they certainly found a way to, you know, place him in. But now, just like everybody else on the team, you're learning this offense under Dow Loggins with everybody else and an offense that's being built around you. I mean, Dow Loggins talked about Spencer Rattler being the biggest recruit since his wife, you know, when he got hired for this job a couple of months ago. So having that full year on campus, full year in the system, and now learning this new offense with everybody else, you know, hoping uh, that just means Spencer Rattler can get off to a good start when the season rolls around. Yeah, and I think you look at it, it's not a complete overhaul offensively. I mean, I don't want to give the impression that it's the same as last year, but the vibe that you get from talking to people in the program is that they're keeping at least some concepts that worked last year. You're kind of looking at it and saying, if this worked, why not keep it? And certainly you look at the last two games of the regular season against Clemson and Tennessee, why would you go away from some of those things? So things that Spencer Rattler is comfortable with. Dowell Loggins talked about this. They're also, when they're adding concepts, it may be that the team, Spencer Rattler, the other guys are not as comfortable with it. If so, if you see that, you scrap it. There may be times where you say, ride this out, try this again, let's try to make this work. I think when you look at Rattler, that's the biggest thing, playing how he's comfortable, which Wes is things like tempo, um, some quicker reads, getting the ball out faster. Certainly he's shown the ability to, to step up when he has protection. A lot of his best plays were either out of the pocket, on the run, or being able to step up and find a guy late in the season. His biggest step, though, for me, and this is what the offense needs to help with, under Dow Loggins, is the turnovers. You look at Spencer Rattler's, Rattler statistically in this offense, they can cut down on the turnovers. That's huge because there are only three teams in the country that were worse than South Carolina in terms of turnovers lost last season. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to keep repeating myself on this, but I, I do, you know, Beamer talked about it too. I, I think it goes back to the leadership ability and just the sort of fact that you were so new last year and you're the new guy and you're coming in you're Spencer Rattler, you're a five-star, you're supposed to come in and start immediately. It's very hard to come in and lead a team and to have their attention and for them not to just roll their eyes at you and be like, who is this guy? So I think you have to earn that, and I think Rattler absolutely made the right decision to kind of put his head down and go to work when he got to South Carolina last year, but now you have put in the sweat equity with your teammates. They have seen you work, they have seen you earn it, and I think going into this year, just having some continuity there and having the continuity with Juice Wells and, and all the guys around them really just helps put him in a much more comfortable position all the way around. Even if it is a new offense, it's not 
it's not so completely different from what they, you know, the Oklahoma to what they were doing last year was a huge difference. This year, not near as much of a difference, and I, I think that eases this transition as well. I'm going to hold off on another spin uh, after the break. You guys did want to talk about the carry on joining a little bit, and um, Coach Beamer did talk about him for a few minutes. So I'll Do play we have that. time to play that clip? He talked for about three minutes, I, I, I feel like. I, I trimmed it down to two minutes, so okay. we, got, we got the highlights of it. We'll play that. Um, after the break. But first, I want to let you know about the 107.5 The Game Spring Golf Classic coming up this Friday at the Charwood Golf Club in West Columbia. If you want to take part, give Charwood a call at 803-755-2000 to register. It is $100 per person and $400 per team. So many cool uh, prizes going to be giving away. Have some autographed gear from Gamecock athletes. One lucky person going to win season tickets to all the remaining USC baseball games. Also going to have a tailgating spot for the upcoming Carolina Cup, up for grabs as well. Former South Carolina wide receiver Josh Fan, we have to say former now, uh, which is kind of weird to say, but he's going to be out there hanging out too, so very excited for that. And lunch is going to be provided by Firehouse Subs, so it should be a very fun day for the 107.5 The Game Spring Golf Classic. We'll be right back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. It is the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs with Tyler, Wes, and Chris. Before we hear from Coach Beamer on to carry on Joiner, I know the people want to know about what the sub of the day is out of Firehouse Subs. Well, according to sources, it is the New York Steamer, which I tried for the first time. Ever. I don't think I've had pastrami before, yeah. ever. Was that one of the five sandwiches you ate the other day? <laughs> well, I ate everything they put in front of me, so fi- we're going to blame them. The five not me. just the amount of steamer halves he ate. Yeah, I think I ate three steamer <laughs> halves, so one and a half. Yeah. Oh, your regular ones. That's the sub of the day, Seven ninety nine for a medium. Go to firehousesubs.com. Hit that rapid rescue. Shout out to the crew at Sumter. They took outstanding care of us the subs were so freaking on point and now i can say i like pastrami i don't know why i've never tried pastrami like it's not i've never had anything against it it's not like i was like oh that smells nasty or anything like Like i i don't know why i've never tried it now i have and it it moved up there i don't know if it surpassed the brisket sandwich for me but it Got very close. Get, give us your uh, top three real quick. Brisket with bacon's number one. Yeah. Uh, New TBR. York Steamer. New York Steamer is two. Oh. Now. And um, that's a breaking news development. It, it passed Wes's the way. The TBR. Yeah. Well, no, Club, Club on a Sub is actually my third. Okay. Ricky Baker Ranch number four. Yeah. Shocking development. Well, I don't oh. know, dude. Meatball with pepperoni, maybe four. <sighs> it yeah. is a hard decision. Well, see, you got a sub of the day every single day, so you can just get fill them every single week. Single day yeah, every single for day for lunch. Let's hit that will that is unofficially brought to you by Integrated Media. Yeah, I think David, it's it's all of the above. It's um, when I first met with on about this, it was look around on. Our depth at running back right now is not very. We're not very deep in that running back room and um it's an opportunity for you to go in there and get some reps as well if it was also to a better football team when you're on the field and there's a lot of things that you can do as a football player you can catch you can throw you can run 
as well knew it would be somewhat of a seamless transition because he's done a lot of the quarterback stuff and the run game at quarterback also. So it was, hey, let's let's get you some reps. Uh, uh, we need you, and it's an opportunity for you to let's see what you can do. And um, the more you can do, the better. I use the example with him of uh, Taysom Hill the, with the New Orleans Saints, a guy that played some quarterback in college, I guess, does a little bit of everything for the Saints as well. So DK is a leader on this team. DK is just a really, really good football player. And But having said that, I think his transition's been – I don't want to speak for everybody else, but for me, even better than I anticipated it. I mean, he's very, very natural at it. He's got instincts. He's got vision. Uh, he's tough. We showed the team this morning. We were doing a one-on-one pass rush drill where it's the running backs versus the linebackers and, and one-on-one pass pro. And DK's first two reps ever as a running back are like, textbook everything that Montario Hardesty teaches at the running back position when how to block a blitzing linebacker DK was was awesome so he's he's embraced it and, and ran with it pardon the pun and and uh, we'll see where it goes and, and my conversation with him was we know what you can do at receiver we know what you can do at quarterback we're not going to get away from that but we got 15 spring practices let's let's uh, see how this running back thing goes and we can always go back to receiver but it's also something that we can continue to expand as um, as we go and again that was coach beamer talking about to carry on joiner working out with the running backs this spring and i don't think it's come to any surprise that beamer was very impressed with what joiner's been able to do as he mentioned there he's played quarterback wide receiver and now running back and done well that was all those positions he's certainly a versatile um you know, kind of guy. Now, when you roll around to the fall, you hope you're not having to rely on him at running back because that means you haven't brought in anybody else from the transfer portal, but it certainly opens up the opportunity to use him there on a, you know, sporadic basis for some, you know, maybe quirky plays here and there that uh, maybe can catch the defense off guard. I, I, I think it's more than that now. Like, I, I think this is the thing. Like, it started out, he was working at running back. It was downplayed last week. It was down, and you're wondering, is it downplayed because that's really just where it is, or is it downplayed because they don't want us talking about it and overanalyzing it and <laughs> making it some all oh, to carry on joiner changes positions again. But if we keep talking like that, then you're going to have a hard time convincing me that this is still just an experiment because there's two reasons for that. One, Beamer admitted himself that he has looked better than Beamer even expected. Two, we like to, and this is the collective we, we like to think, oh, move that guy, you know, we'll take an athletic quarterback, move that guy to wide receiver, move that guy here. Hey, this guy could be a linebacker. And we think it's like the video game where you could just move somebody around and they just pick it up and it's easy. It's not easy. And part of the reason it's not easy at an offensive skill position is because you have to be able to play without the football. The hardest thing for a running back to do who has every single other skill you're looking for or every single trait you're looking for is to block a blitzing linebacker or defensive end and pass pro. Well, Beamer, without being asked about it, just happens to mention, hey, this guy picked up a blitzing linebacker in our one-on-one drill and did it with textbook form. To me, that is one of the most, nobody's going to talk about that, but that's one of the most interesting things Beamer has said all spring. I I am at the point where 
it's way too easy. It's way too early to say this. I would not be surprised if the carry on joiner was your opening day starting running back next year. Like, like I, I think this is a thing. It, he used the word natural. He said he was awesome. The other guys have talked it up as well. Mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't end up being the starter, and that will be determined, obviously, if they, if they go out and get some five-star stud in the transfer portal, that could easily change. But as we sit here right now, I'm, I'm all in on the joiner running back experience, and I think this has quickly become much more than just an expanded package of what he was doing last year. Am I crazy, Chris, or no, are you on board? No, I was going to ask you actually to to make your case because I kind of saw where you were going that on Joiner is going to be running back one. And I was going to say exiting the spring, right? And so you took it a step farther. And I agree with you. Like It, it kind of depends on what happens in the portal. But I, I agree with all the points you laid out. I, I'd add to that and your evidence is you stopped numbering them after number two, I think. But there were several things in there. You know, number four, five, whatever it may be. Joyner pointed out he's spending most of his time at running back, which realistically is probably all. You know, he's probably playing some special teams still and then playing running back. But it, it all makes sense. I mean, you just, you don't have depth there. Proven depth. You have Mario Anderson, who did a lot of great things at Newberry, but he is in a new offense, at a new place, taking a, a step up in level. Um, then you've got Joyner. Then you've got Juju McDowell, who again, another broken record alert, but he is not your 25-carry-a-game guy at running back. If he is, then that's probably not ideal. Pass protection, right? Um, we've heard what Beamer said, what Joyner said. We've heard more returns kind of internally, just tracking the program like we do on a daily basis. That that's not the, Shane Beamer's not the only person to have said, and this is more behind the scenes, carry-on Joyner looks pretty pretty good at running back. So, I'm completely on board with you. I agree with you. And, and this is not a slot receiver that is your typical tiny slot. Re- DK's yeah. list is 6'1", 216. Yeah. So you may think, you know, a wide receiver going to running back, you know, that's a difficult transition because you're maybe not big enough. You know, he, he is well put together. And I'm going to credit one other person. If this move works out and the reason I think – that has been so smooth so far. And there have been now two padded practices. I think that's always a big thing when you're talking about running backs. It's one thing to do it when you're not hitting. And and now you got to go do it when they actually tackle and scrimmage at some point. But, Chris, I'm going to credit Pete Limbo because I promise you, we hear about this all the time, a lot of the reason the carry-on probably made that very easy transition to the pass pro side is – the specific drills that Limbo implements in the special team side that have carryover into what South Carolina does offensively. So I, I think Joyner's time on special teams paying off immensely for him now at running back without the football in his hands. So if the spring continues to go well for DK and he is, you know, coming out of spring as your number one running back, obviously you're still going to address the position in the transfer portal, but let's say you're not able to get anybody of significant note from the transfer portal, I mean, would you feel still feel okay going into the fall with him as your one and maybe a mix of guys, you know, kind of competing for that two spot? Or do you still think you need to go and find somebody as a one in the portal as well? Yeah, I, I think you still just go find the best player you can find in the portal. And then you got to just 
kind of let it play out from there. I, I mean, I, I think with the portal, you don't necessarily know who's going to be in there. You don't know who you're going to be able to get. And so, yeah, you go get the best available. If that's a one, if that's a difference maker, then by all means, you've gotten you've gotten deeper because you now know Joyner can at least help at that position. If it's not a difference maker, if it's not a one, if it's not a guy that just comes in and immediately is like your guy, then I think Joyner, if he can continue this for the final two-thirds plus of spring camp, then you do feel much better about it than you did coming in because now you know you have him, you have Juju. And I think, again, Mario Anderson is going to be fine. Like, he's going to help this team. I think the big question there is just, is he going to be more of a depth guy or is he going to push for that number one spot? I think these are all still questions, but we are, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But at the same time, I think some very positive developments there in that room with Joyner showing exactly what he can do so far. All right. On the other side, I have one piece of audio that I picked out especially. I want to get you guys take on because it does have a little bit to do with the job that you guys do in covering recruiting. We'll touch on that on the other side. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Welcome back to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you for a few more minutes. Halftime show with Jay coming up. In uh, just a few moments, got one more piece of audio from Shane Meemer. But before we do that, Chris wants to tell you about one of our great partners here on the show. Yeah, I want to take a minute to tell you about Amy Mason Cup State Farm. If you're interested on saving on your insurance, you can switch and save with Amy Mason Cup at State Farm. One of the cool tools that they have to do that, that all across the country, drivers like yourself are doing to reap the rewards of safer driving and to save on your insurance up to 30% is the updated Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm. It has new features like interactive maps, driving tips. It makes the pursuit of your discount even easier. So if you want more information on how you can drive safe and save using State Farm's app, give Amy Mason Cup a call at 803-772-5554. You can switch and save just like my family did. Amy can take care of everything, get you a personalized quote with everything from auto to business to boat and renter's insurance and much more. Her office is at 612 St. Andrews Road, Suite 4 in Columbia. That's just off I-26, the St. Andrews exit. And visit her website at amymasoncup.com. That's Amy, M-A-S-I-N-C-U-P-P.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is Also, we're going to have Josh Van on tomorrow on the Garnet Trust Hour. That's right here in studio Thursday at 10 a.m. Going to with, chat with Josh Maybe get his updated starting five, Wes. See if he's repurposed that any. Talk about his NFL combine experience much more. So looking forward to doing that. Also talk about his golf game. He's going to be out the yeah, 107.5 gonna... the game spring golf classic as well. Chris knows. I'm, I've been excited about this one. I, I yeah, like hearing from Josh. We're going to try to get we're gonna try to get Josh uh, talking. We'll get him talking. Right. We'll get him going. We'll, we'll get and, him going. Uh, man, I want to ask him, like you and I have been watching Josh for like 100 years now. Like we saw him in high school. Dude was moving at pro day. Like, he was going – like, I, I don't know, man. I've never seen a guy who's coming off of a knee injury looking that quick. He To me, eye test, I know this is probably not true, but he looked even quicker than he did before. So I, I want to ask Josh about that. I thought more than anybody else, we kind of anticipated like a Nate Atkins having a chance to move up for the pro day. But more than anybody else among the guys we weren't really talking about as much before – 
I thought Josh really boosted his chances with that pro day. So we'll talk to him about that. Talk to him about girl dad life as he <laughs> has settled into that now. And just a uh, all-around funny dude. So I, I'm looking forward to, to hearing from Josh. Maybe, maybe we can get him to share some more offensive coordinator stories from last year. Got himself in trouble a little bit on the podcast. And uh, so we're, we're going to get Josh going tomorrow. <laughs> All right, one more piece of Beamer audio before we get out of here. No, it's definitely a fine line. Uh, it's a great, great question. I mean, there's we want to showcase this program and all the people in this program and all the great things that are going on here at uh, at Carolina within our football program. But there's also a fine line of too much where we don't want everything coming out of this building and and our guys not and having our guys lose focus on what's important like none of that stuff matters none of the energy that's being created nobody cares what we're doing if we're not winning football games and let's not forget about what we're here to do and that's to win football games and obviously graduate from our uh, from a uh, academic standpoint and there have been a lot of things mike that i've said no to that either people that wanted to come in and showcase something or something that we were going to do in-house to bring attention to this program that I said, no, that no, I think we're getting too far away from uh, what's important. And that's having a great spring practice or great summer camp or great training camp or whatever it may be and, and getting better as a football team. So it's a, I think a lot of that is uh, knowing the personality of your team and, and what they need and what they can handle and, things like that as well. So certainly we're proud of everything that we're doing and we want to showcase that, but uh, we don't want to do anything that's going to uh, be a detriment to us being the best football team uh, that we can be year in, year out too. And that was Coach Beamer talking about the importance of social media in terms of promoting this team. And we've got a couple more minutes to go here. Obviously, the like you said there, the most important thing at the end of the day is winning football games. And that's where you're going to be judged on the most. But being that you guys work in the world of recruiting, talking to these guys, these high schoolers that, you know, grow up in this social media age, I feel like South Carolina does a very good job of promoting themselves on social media. Um, what do you hear from these recruits when, uh, when they talk about those things? Yeah, I mean, certainly that's been part of Shane Beamer's strategy, right? Getting out in the community. Wes and I talked with him about that, actually, about how as South Carolina's found more success, he's had more just people wanting kind of a piece of, of him on in media, you know, and more interviews and more this and more speaking engagements. And he's had to say no to some of those things just personally because he doesn't want to get too far away from the team. So, um, you know, letting people inside the program – being more active on social media. Obviously, he's he's as active as any coach in the country on social media with what he puts out. And that's been a big part of what they're able to showcase to recruits. Justin King and his team, they do a great job with that. Um, you're able to now send personalized videos to recruits. So th- they made that change a while back in the NCAA, so that's something that they do. But Beamer always, I think, does a pretty good job of balancing that with spending time with your your actual team. And so it's something recruits take notice of, for sure, from a social media standpoint. Yeah, that's certainly something that's important, again, in this day and age of uh, college football. And Beamer certainly one of the ones that does a uh, very good job of it. We are unfortunately out of time here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Again, don't miss tomorrow. Josh Fan going to be in for the Garnet Trust Hour from 10 to 11. Very, very excited to talk to him. The Halftime Show with Jay. Coming up next right here on 107.5 The Game.